0: Hello, fellow foodies, and welcome back. This is Dr. Cassandra Quave, and you're listening to Foodie Pharmacology, the science podcast for the food curious. Today, we're going to take a journey deep into the Arctic. Our guest is Sue Akins, and she is a star on Nat Geo's Life Below Zero show. It's an eight-time Emmy Award-winning show. Sue lives 200 miles north of the Arctic Circle at a remote camp and airport called Kavik that she maintains and owns. She's been there for more than 23 years and has survived a bear attack, months in dark winter with no heat. The closest town to her is 500 miles away and there are no roads and she's the only person in this population between the two. She hunts for her own meat, does her own stitches and never stops learning. Sue, it's really great to meet you. It is so nice to meet you. Thank you for having me, Cassandra. So, as a little girl, I always dreamt of going to the Amazon because of all the plant life, but I've I never thought about the arctic but this really is a great frontier what is it like living in the arctic
1: living here you know, there's the saying if you don't like the weather wait five minutes or fly five miles it's going to change and <laughs> it's true It's an indicator ecosystem which means when the planet's gonna start having big changes, you're gonna see it first here. They test the fat count on the polar bears, different sea mammals to see what's in our water, what is affecting our food chain. My thermometer only goes to 100 below zero and it's been markedly colder. You add wind to that and you can get up to 200 degrees below zero. And that doesn't mean I get to stop my chores, that doesn't mean I get to cry about it for a few days If something breaks, you're out there figuring it out. And so the environment itself, when spring comes, it's very short and sweet, but all of a sudden you have this white existence that goes brown and then overnight blooms. And for two weeks, it is the most riotous bunch of color. But for me, the doctor is 500 miles each way the grocery store, 500 miles each way. And I have to pay somebody to shop and then 12,000 to fly it up. I better know what's edible, what's medicinal, how to use it, and what to avoid. It's an ecosystem that never stops gifting me with new things.
0: That's incredible. Well, I want to get into your diet because this is a show about food, and I know that you hunt in let four- Let's start with the spring because this sounds like such a fun, short, but beautiful time. What types of plants do you find in the Arctic to um, eat or to make medicine from?
1: Well, there's all kinds, and I grow. I grow okay. a lot of my own. I don't have trees here. I'm 200 miles above the tree line. I do have willow, however. And the willow plant, you have salic acid in it. As humans, we go acetosalicylic acetylsalicylic acid, and we mass produce aspirin. Mm-hmm. But it's a pain reliever. It's a blood thinner. Good for your joints. But for me, I can strip that bark, soak it. I've got... There's birch plants. I've got birch leaves. There's a lot that you can do with that plant. It's high in vitamin C. Out here, people think that scurvy is something that you hear about, and you're, Argh, the old pirate days you make, get scurvy. But it's an actual real thing for remote people. You need to make sure you're getting your vitamins. Where are they going to come from? And nature will always provide. Uh, for the Eskimos and the native peoples that whale, whale blubber is high in vitamin C. Most mm-hmm. people don't know that. The pine family, the spruce family, 100% edible, high in vitamin C, antibacterial, microbial, and viral. Um, The inner bark is a source of food. If you can't find any other food, chew on it. You're going to have a movement later on, you're going to remember. But (laughs) it will fill the beak and be healthy for you. The willow, high in vitamin C. And it's also an indicator for me. I can take that bark. If I can split that bark with my nail and peel it, you're right in the middle of the good weather, the plant is not worried about winter coming in. And then often one day you're gonna to try to put your thumbnail in and take a little piece off and it's gonna be held so fast. And it may be 75 degrees up here, but that plant has been around a lot longer than myself, the DNA has, and it's going to, it knows winter's coming. Oh, you better start looking for your, what can I use for a vegetable? You have chamomile. I have a lot, I was attacked by a grizzly you can see some of the scars mm-hmm. here. I don't know if you can see it or not, but you can all along your neck. So you can wow. still feel where the teeth went into the head. But I, to say the least, the bear tore the hips out of the sockets multiple times. But arthritis wow. now I'm over 60. So arthritis is a major concern. Uh, I have some relatives of the uh, balsam poplar. And they're probably 20 miles away up towards the headwaters of the Cavic. And, but I can harvest those in the winter. I can harvest some of that plant and it's just ripe with the sap and I can make my own balm of Gilead. Okay. Go ahead and read the Bible and that's an incredibly important salve, almost worth its weight in gold. Wow. And, and I don't profess to know everything, although I'll keep talking like I do, <laughs> but I've never been a person afraid to ask, what do you use this for? I see you're chewing on something, but I always thought that was poisonous. What the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. And it's, if you take the seed out, then you can use this with it. And I've got a way. I'm about as attention deficit as it gets. Will I always remember to take the seed out? Probably not. Yeah, we'll pass on that one.
0: <laughs> well, that, that's my question too, is, so how did you learn all this? Is it just through chatting with people and trying things or through reading books? Uh, I know a lot of our listeners are interested in trying to come up to build strategies in foraging and making medicine? I think one of the
1: most important things that we can remember as humans, as good people, always remain teachable. If you know everything already, what is there left to learn? Let, leave the ego at the door. Some people say, I come with so much bag, set that Gucci stuff down because it's not doing you any good. Examine it. That was fun to wear. Leave it because you can't take it with you. It hinders you. I had a very unique upbringing. I was brought to Alaska and then abandoned here. And without going into a lot of details, it became very important for me. And it's my inquisitive nature. I think in pictures, I think in movies, and I would always ask, what are you doing? I spent time in Fort Taunton, North Dakota as a child also. And I would at Pat White and Wasu Duta, medicine men from there. And i would ask them what are you doing what did you use for this what about that and so they would just let me tag along but i've never been afraid to ask somebody tactfully enough um which sometimes is hard for me but what do you know that i can learn can we barter bartering is huge up here it is difficult to be a remote person and make a ton of cash but maybe I have something you would like or knowledge base and Mm -hmm. that is worth something. So how can we trade? It's great. Seal oil. It's a huge cure-all for a lot of things. Good for Mm -hmm. your digestive system. So many minerals in it. I collect sea moss and make sea moss gel. Went to the Arctic ocean in the middle of the winter and got uh, salt water. (laughs) I've got a lot of different flavors of it. Got a sea salt. salt. Yeah, (laughs) sea salt. And if you wait like here, the first, your water your ocean water a lot of salt a lot of h2o that h2o is going to freeze faster than the saline will so if you wait long enough drill deep enough you're going to have a very high quality salt product and it has so many nutrients in it it's got i think 100 101 of the 102 that they worry about don't go ahead and drop a couple it's got a lot but i make my own sea salt and then i flavor it for different things Maybe aromatically, if you wake up in the morning, a little shot glass of water and chew on a couple of those crystals, your hydration is guaranteed. Your nutrient content is instantly upped. The doctor is a 500 mile to town and 500 miles back after my appointment. That's 12,000 each way. There's not much I want to see a doctor for that I'm willing to give him 24 grand. So I need to learn and maintain my base of knowledge.
0: Incredible. I, I don't know, if, I'm sure this is a painful subject to talk about, but I'm sure many people listening to your story of surviving a grizzly attack, how did you, number one, how did you get away from this grizzly? And how did you treat these very, I'm assuming, very deep wounds that left these scars along your shoulder,
1: in your head? I can talk about it some. It's an, You're right, mm-hmm. it's not my favorite subject. If I keep it more in the third person, it's not as bad. This is a number of years ago now. And out here, I have two sheets of paper in the other room, and uh, fishing game and the feds keep track of some of the bears, the grizzly bears, and well, they keep track of all the polar bears, uh, and I don't have black bears up here. I'm far too north. I'm only a few miles from the Arctic Ocean, but a bear, if you get attacked by a bear, you did something in their language that incurred their wrath or their attention. And you have got a bear can do its charge at 60 miles an hour and sustain that for miles. You have no time. This, there was a juvenile male. The girls, you got a young Randy male bear, just like a a tween, Mm -hmm. and there are parts (laughs) of their bodies that are noticing, hey, girls aren't always creepy. I don't see many cooties anymore. (laughs) And the only way the girls are gonna mate with him, he has to be an alpha. They're not into the beta thing. It is all procreation of the best part of the DNA. So this bear, he was maybe anywhere four to seven, maybe five to seven. And he kept burying a caribou on my helicopter pad and destroying things. And that is a sign he wants to take, how does a bear go from beta to alpha? You got to subjugate a larger bear, an alpha, or you've got to kill them and steal their proper, their section. Then you've gained status. Uh-huh. The old guy was obviously getting old enough that you were able to kick his butt and all the girls will suddenly go, Oh my gosh, what a man, what a bear. <laughs> so this is what he was doing. The bears see me as an alpha. I've been fixed for almost 40 years now. And, uh, so I don't really emote a lot of, fa- I don't take hormones. I don't do any of that <laughs> I psycho for five solid years. And Eddie and I looked at each other. Holy shit. how did we survive that? But I don't put off a lot of the male or female pheromones anymore, but I do maintain my ground. If you're a bear and you're looking at it, all these buildings are dens that they never have to dig. And no matter how clean I am in camp,
0: Mm.
1: it still smells like food. A bear can smell from 10 miles away. So this bear was burying his stuff, giving me my eviction notice. And I went out there, I asked the state, I said, how you want me to deal with this? This is now a huge problem. And they said, burn the carcass or send it down the river. No, but get it out of camp. Um, be careful. And so I dug it up, went down and dumped it. And this bear just lost his mind. He was blowing up oh. the brush. He's doing a big show in the middle of the river. So I knew where he was at. <laughs> and over the course of, let's say a week or so, he kept doing, we had our run-ins. I had to go do my show force. You do the same things they do. You blow up the brush. You're very vocal. You stomp, you, you growl, you huff and chuff. And then you drop your drawers and you're going to go to the restroom because that's how they mark. They are scent driven. However, without leaving a lot of scent, I just take straight ammonia. The more ammonia, the more alpha
0: and put ah, it down. Okay, okay. And that's
1: that he really has to make his mind. Ooh, this one's maybe a little tougher than I thought. Sorry, ladies, kitchen next year. I'm going to go get Bob. He's like 90. I can pick him off. Yeah. But he just took the bait and I knew I was going to have troubles with him. My river, like now, my river is frozen over four or five inches in ice already. For me to get water out of the river, I am not allowed, I can't just drill a well. So I have to get it out of the river, pump it up to my water house. Um, I treat it, I have to filter it so many times, it has to be clean. And I wanted to get one more pumping of water before I was done for the season. Mm-hmm. And then I looked around, I put on a couple of Carhartt suits, um, because you wanna, it's cold and I'm going into the water. I have to get a hole, pick up my pump, two hands, couldn't see the bear anywhere, set the rifle down and went to work. He was hiding in the cut bank and he grabbed me and pulled me up into the tundra, just south of where I'm talking to you now, maybe a hundred yards, maybe not quite that far. And he did what I call an alpha push and they extend their claws and they're looking for any reason where you're going to put back pressure. It's like if some punk kid keeps dinking you in the shoulder and you finally Mm -hmm. go stop. If I do this, that's like, stop. All right, we're going to town. And so in less than no time, you have to figure out what in the world that I... Well, I challenged him, and he accepted it. He challenged me. I said, go to Hades. And he said, nope, I'm coming to Cavic. So I. he tore this part up. I, like I say, you can still feel where the teeth went into my head here and there. He pulled the hips out of the sockets. He would rough me up and push me and then knock me back. He went down over the bank, came back up bluff charging multiple times. An older bear or a sow would have just killed me and went, done. I want it. I take it. But he wasn't an educated bear yet. Mm -hmm. And by the time he didn't come back up, I had trouble seeing because I had so much blood. But I did not remember that I had a rifle down by the river. I just tried to make it into the dining hall. I got in here. Bears have an enzyme that it's not like a Komodo dragon, but it is in the fact that if you don't get it all out, it will continually erode and infect. So this mark up here. I did the best that I could. I cut it, scrubbed it. My dining hall was set up a little. That's where I am right now was set up a little differently. Uh, I grabbed the air to ground radio. I called for help. I said, this is Sue at Kavik. I've had an incident with a bear. I need some help. And one of the oil fields answered and said, hey, this is a secured channel. And I'm like, it's 122.9 U. Mm-hmm. And they've been, it's now been like 15 years and they've never talked to me again. And, uh, and I'm like, Sue, you gotta quit swearing. Damn it.
0: I've been attacked by a bear and help. It's like, <laughs> who cares what channel it's on?
1: <laughs> and then I got, we had analog phones back then. Now it's all digital. Yeah. I tried calling the troopers. I got their answering machine. I didn't know that their had had problems and went down. They were all right, but they couldn't get me. And by the time they did, it was closer to spring. And they're like, oh, she saw, they said, we didn't know that you had serious issues. You sounded so calm. And I'm like, if I'm hysterical, what's that going to solve? But (laughs) I called two other people. I don't remember calling, but I had to get everything cleaned. I keep my own suture kits. I sewed this up, it was not very pretty. I later had another accident and I asked the doctor, I'm like, can you just straighten this up? Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, uh, this one still infects here and there. Uh, this here, I just, try sewing yourself up. You have to take your hair, you have to do things. Um, so Sue, so hearing-
0: you did this yourself. You got no medical care in the end because nobody can pick you up? Is that what um, happened? I'm not there yet. Don't, oh, don't okay. Now work. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs>
1: But I put on other clothes. I knew the bear was still alive and he gave me a very serious, uh, eviction notice. If, mm. and I knew I, I got the hips back in the socket sockets. I put two gun belts around my hips and tightened them as, as much as I could. I grabbed another rifle. I just announced over the radio that I was going out to take care of this bear. Somebody I need assistance. Then I went and found the bear. He was in the place that he always brought was blowing up the brush. I shot him. I GPSed it. No idea why I did that. But on the way back, the hips gave out. I drug myself into the dining hall and it took 10 days before somebody found me. I was taken to town and they sent me, they said, you're either going to Portland or Seattle. Where do you want to go? And my then spouse's parents, he was helping his mom and he was in Portland, Oregon. So I went to Portland, Oregon. And later, of course, as I had some spinal surgery, they did what they could to get the hips back in, um, some therapy. And I'm not a big fan of a lot of the opioids. I'm not a big fan. I have to have my mind. If you cloud my mind, the rest of my life is not worth it. So I had, I was telling Eddie, go get me some pine. Go get me some willow. Are you (laughs) hearing me? And I'm used to eating clean meat. I'm not used to storing. Now, I love food. I'm a big-time foodie, even on the show. When I'm cooking things, I'm out there with a torch in the field, taking off the hooves of the caribou, getting their foot joints and their knees, and I'm making aspic. You know, and I'm explaining, this was actually, go to the Depression, people were preserving their food in aspic. You, know, you have those really funky-looking salads with, they're florally beautiful. You have chunks of carrots and chunks of this and chunks of meat people nowadays go "Mm, really and i said it's like head cheese or anything it's a preservative method and if i can say where we're at in the planet now and where humanity is being somewhat inhumane to each other there are widespread repercussions where i think it wouldn't be a bad notion that people relearn how to preserve without using electricity how to make medicine because who the heck can afford a doctor and but with the bear it, it ended up i was actually working with somebody else and here i bought the place from an old friend and so it became a workman's comp case and they put you in front of a panel of doctors and they're like bear attack yeah we don't hear that very often in oregon <laughs> and should we even believe you and i hold on to that thought <laughs> i picked up my phone i called the guy that i was buying the camp from i said I need to come back home. This is what's happening. And he got upset about that. And I said, no, do you have a problem with me coming home? And he said, I want to tell these guys to go to Hades and I'm coming back. My
0: Mm -hmm. life
1: is there. I don't belong with these people. And Mm -hmm. he goes, do you think, do you, can you do it? And I said, I don't know that I can't. And that's the only thing that I guarded against. So he said, yep, I'll get a plane ticket. I said, fine, hung up the phone. And I said, you people should be ashamed of yourself. You should be. Yes. There are people that take advantage of things. However, probably not like this yeah it's a bit of a a saving a a dollar that you're keeping the medical field from progressing
0: to a human field
1: but anyways off
0: off I don't know you don't know as much about my work yet because this is our first time meeting but I feel like we need to be talking a lot more (laughs)
1: It's like, like, I have all kinds of stuff that I make, and I'm like this hippie. I love it. I love, I love If you go into my kitchen,
0: I've got like crystal balls, and I've got all kinds. I'm impressed. Kind- I'm so impressed yeah. that you staved off infection and were able to sew yourself up good enough to last those ten days on your own and not get serious infection. Did you use any herbs when you were treating those wounds while you were waiting, or was it just um, all like kind of disinfectant solution? The, when the hips gave
1: out. I knew everything, like any injury, 12 yeah. to 72 hours, you've got some swelling going to happen. Yeah. Um, before I totally became incapacitated, I threw water bottles on the floor, chips, mm-hmm. and wow. Look, I run a business. That's the only way I can be here. I have water. I have some mm-hmm. goodies. I have teas. I have all kinds of stuff. I can hunt for the meat that I eat, but I cannot serve it to a client or, or a guest. That's hunting for profit. You cannot profit from the death of the animal. You shouldn't. And um, so that's a law. But I threw as much as I could down. I also threw, like, I have, it's hard to see, but it's pine oil. Nice. I take any kind of a carrier. Let me see. Oh,
0: from yeah. I see apple. the pine needles. Yeah. Okay. And
1: I have some dragon's blood in there and whatnot. Nice. And moss. Um, the moss out in the field. Grabbed some of that when I was dragging myself back the moss in the field it's antibacterial antimicrobial when i go hunting like you see i have a bandage here you mm-hmm. nick yourself i'm skinning i'm taking care of all the meat that i can making my bone broth but if you nick yourself or you have the blood get that moss from the ground and the lichen and start wiping yeah, it lichen,
0: off those lichen yeah. have good, some of them have very good antimicrobial properties yeah, yeah. that's incredible too you're one tough cookie. I'm sure you've heard this <laughs> many times. <laughs> Some I, people say I'm like, a tough like, cookie, I, but not I, I don't, I'm not grandma. as tough as you. <laughs> like, truthfully, I hadn't noticed. That's amazing. So I, I was wondering, paint us a picture of what life is like at Camp Cat. Like, what does it look like when you step outside of your door? You said the river is nearby in a typical day throughout the year. Is it usually heavy with snow around you except for those warm months? Like, what's life like your day to day?
1: There is no typical. That's one of the mm-hmm. first things I try to qualify for people. It is a very volatile ecosystem, capable of just wild changes. The way it's even set up, there's no earth here, there's no dirt, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I have to import or create my own dirt or I have to do hydroponics. And I try to mimic the Arctic. Nature doesn't get it wrong too often. So how do the plants and everything grow? how it works here. You have permanently frozen ground. You got X amount of ground that is just ice. And then you have mm-hmm. round rock on top of that, maybe some silt. And then you have your peat layer and moss, you know, and your plants above it. And that peat is an insulative layer that keeps the frozen ground frozen and the heat up here. And in the winter, it's going to keep this at a constant and a hundred below up here. I can have the, the biggest storm I guess I've had I don't... It's it's classified an arctic desert. We get eight inches of precip, supposedly, no matter what form it falls in. However, the planet is changing it. And people are like, oh, you believe in climate change. You believe in global warming. And I'm like, you I would have a fossilized banana leaf if it hadn't have been a tad warmer here and there. <laughs> Everything is always in a state of flux. Hmm. And if you can't roll with it, you're going to get flattened by it. You Pick your poison. Uh, yesterday, it was beautiful. It was probably... 30 degrees. I think I got up to 29 or 30. as was running around my t-shirt. I have to fuel. There's no tree line here. People are like, why can't you do what the others do and chop down trees for your fuel for your no heat? trees? I'm like, there's <laughs> no trees, man. And, and I could chop down some willow, but you would be stripping an ecosystem to try and make it through one winter. I get usually 10 months yeah. of winter, nine to 10 months. It used to be that the last person I saw was sometime in August and the next one was in June. And hmm. so I have a lot of months I'm playing around uh, by myself. Yesterday, what kind I'm of people come and here and comes the wolf you? pack straight yeah. through oh. on my helicopter pad in between me wow. and the dining hall. And that's only 60, 50, 60 yards away. And the big black wolf, um, he stops and he looks at me. He's over 20 now, and hmm. he's just as robust as he was at 10. And I'm going into my 24th year here um and he just looked at me and i looked at him and i'm like chill dude i've got a few holes you do your fur thing i'm doing mine man good luck at any point you are reminded you are not top of the food chain and it's not really a contest i have my little piece of camp marked out going with the foodie pharmacopoeia thing in my lifestyle it is incredibly important to understand how the prey how and the predators understand food. Anything that is scent-driven, like a bear, a wolf, a wolverine, if I want to dissuade them from coming into camp, it's a long process. And I used to go through about 400 pounds of coffee a year. I did. I'm big into my coffee. I have every <laughs> coffee maker known to man and then some. I've created a few. And I like good coffee. Life is too mm-hmm. short not to have good coffee. Same with the teas, but I take all those grounds and I offer people. I do a lot of baking. I used to make wedding cakes and deliver them in small planes for any of the villages. And, and you're talking 400 mile trip. Here, there you go. Good luck. Hug each other. We'll be kind. But I'd take all those grounds and a bear's nose can smell. Like I had said, from 10 miles away, sometimes more polar bears are even more. So if I'm dumping coffee grounds out, they're acidic. Even if I've used the parts I like, they are still acidic. So I start sprinkling them all over my perimeter and on the pad and around my buildings. And I put bleach on the buildings. Um, and that smell, it will not stop a charging bear. If you have enraged them or done something incorrect in bear talk, you're gonna tango. Yeah. But if they're walking by, a bear's gonna go, oh? Ooh, how do they you smell ooh, bad. How do they live in that outhouse? And yeah. they, they kind of give it a wider berth. Once you have several, five, six years of them with a path that goes the other side, you've now created a safer zone. Not safe. You're always you're not top of the food chain. And I chose when I came here I had a 400 mile trap line before. I haven't trapped an animal in 30 some years. But I decided I had enough fur and there's no reason. I eat everything I trap and there's no matter what the animal is, unless it's a certain part, like a polar bear liver, There, there's, you can adjust, soak, change how you handle it and you'll be able to consume it. But that's the highest form of respect a hunter can do. Yeah. Other than looking at the species and saying, they're wrong. There should be no hunting of the species at all. They're allowing something which will decimate that. And your ethics is the other important thing you need to bring. And those are in danger too. But I don't even remember where I was going with that.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, we were with talking band, about,
1: yeah. Yeah. Understanding how they eat. The caribou I made uh, last year, I made a blind. And I have, I name everything. I name everything. So I, I painted, I created this on an old PVC pipe, this portable line that I could carry with me. In the winter it's all white i go walking around with my i have crazy hats that i wear that kids give me and any animal is going to see that and go ah! a caribou is going to look at you they know anything god makes that plentiful is on a really low place on the food chain and so people say they don't have good eyesight i disagree they look for characteristics from far away they're going to mm-hmm. look to see is there hardware above its head okay that might be one of us ugly cow but it is a cow and then they'll look and say, does it have a white mane, some tan coloring, and a black dorsal stripe? Okay, it does. It's one of us. Needs a beauty dream, you know, beauty day, but it is a caribou, <laughs> And it's not as alarmed and doesn't run. So that's what I based okay. their sight, their vision on my thing. And it worked beautifully. Now I'm getting ready to do another one, but it's for a bird in mind. Now, if you think about it, a bird's eye view, it's very sharp, very crisp, very 3D. They are able Mm -hmm. to look in a more full dimension where the caribou are more two-dimensional. And I'm doing another kind of a blind, which will envelope me entirely, but it will have 3D qualities that I get from the tundra because they're going to, if they see something 2D, they're going to be like, I'm sorry, that's like flat Stanley, not buying it. But if you can add some texture and utilize their own vision, they'll be like, George, wondered what happened to you. And they'll feel yeah. more comfortable, which gives you the time. I have a store, I have a Safeway that migrates. So if I don't make the most of what's here, you better get used to licking the tundra.
0: Yeah, that brings up another question. I know you hunt. For a lot of your food, you gather plants for making teas and medicines. And I don't, do you get bilberries or cranberries that far north too? Like for those kind of fresh fruit? Yeah. Sorry. I used my ears and I'm
1: hearing clink, clink. And I'm like, what the hell
0: is that? Uh Oh, what's going on? Um,
1: Yeah. If anybody is, I do have some bears that are down by the end of the runway. So it is possible they come up. I do. I get bilberries. I get blueberries. I get cranberries, high and low bush. Um, most everything was about this tall on the, now because of the climate differences, things are growing really tall and we've had some major earthquake activity and that opened up more Springs. So it's been an exciting time here. It is not the first time it's happened, but it is happening really rapidly. And I was going to bring up one of the things, the army does a thing called the cool school and they teach some of their military we're going to drop you off. You don't get any food. Survive. And poof, it's 30 below zero or whatever. And they drop them off. And good luck. You got to make it to this point. How are you going to do it? Yeah. Where's your shelter? What are you going to do? You have to pack a pack of bubble gum and a shovel. <laughs> and I would take, when they would be here, I would look and I say, What do you notice if you're looking across the snow? What do you see? And they're like, Snow. And I <laughs> said, Bring it in. What do you notice? a lot of drifts. Perfect. Now I gave him a picture of what it looked like in the summer, what it looked like in the spring, in the fall, in the winter. And I said, so here's your berry plants. Our winter comes in so fast, the berries freeze solid right there, and they're still there.
0: So, look again, tell
1: me if you can see a difference in the snow drift. You can. This plant will create this kind of a long drift. This plant will make a hump and then one these plants will be like this. So once again, look at the good picture where all the berries are all cute. Look at what it is is—it's red right before the fall. And then, bam, it went to 20 below. Where's your food? And they were able to go out and based on the shape of the drift, you can find some of
0: your food source. That's incredible. That's incredible. It's like fresh Flash frozen.
1: (laughs) And even in the spring, when I get a bird, I open the gullet and I look. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking to see how big are the twigs that it's eating. Does it have berries? Uh, What is it consuming? Because that will tell me where to find them.
0: Okay.
1: If they have the little rocks in their system, they always pick the same calcium carbonate chip. So I take those out, clean them, throw them in a jar. Then when I want to go hunting, I'll find a likely area and I'll take a little handful and I'll scatter them. I have no idea how they know to look at, on a white background, they're finding white rocks. You go. But it's that 3D thing again. Mm -hmm. And they all come in, thump, 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 thump. And I don't have to stress my body at 40 below trying to find them. I brought them to me using their own system Mm -hmm. against them, yes. But I'm working with who they are instead of forcing myself to be dominant.
0: Yeah. Well, this is incredible. As you're speaking, I'm thinking about you have all these visionaries that talk about life you know, in outer space, colonizing Mars. And yet, why would that money? I many have, have never... heck, I will offer up. I'm just putting <laughs> it out there. <laughs> I know. It's like, I'm just like wondering, have they thought about you know, what it's like to live in extreme environments like where you're living? This is probably one of the most extreme environments on Earth. You know, unless you're like in the middle of the Sahara, maybe those would be good to competing you know, places well, like how do you survive? Yeah, they're, exactly.
1: Deserts—they're mm-hmm. both limited on when and how much of the water they get. And like here, when everything melts in the spring, um, yeah. huge flooding. It cannot go down into the ground like you, if it rained like heck down in California, it would soak into the ground because mm-hmm. you have dirt. We don't have that. It's ice, so it's gonna go rushing to the lowest point, which is generally our riverbeds. And it can't go down again because of the ice, so it'll bust sideways. And I'll have a five-mile-wide channel for part of the year, and then it goes back down to these little thin, straggly
0: pieces. Wow. So how do you get around outside? Are you, like, hiking? Are you skiing? Do you, like, what's the best way that you think when you're out and about? It depends on, I've okay, I've been at Cavic
1: in my 30s, 40s, 50s, and now I'm in my 60s. So I've Mm -hmm. been here a while. When I was younger and you're hiking everywhere, life happens and I break myself. I don't bounce anymore. I break, I bend. Yeah. So um, there's one episode where a a barrel of fuel falls off the pallet, but it's highly explosive. So I have to run down there, pick it up. It's 585 pounds and I pick it up and put it
0: back
1: on. I can't do that now. I can certainly, I still have a tremendous amount of strength, but I need to work smarter, not harder. Um, I have skis. I have snowshoes. I did one episode, and they were the ugliest snowshoes you've ever seen. But I talk about how this is what you're looking for. You're going to have to warm it up because it has to be pliable. If you can't do that, do this. And, and you explain the mechanics of if you have two feet and you're walking, all 200 pounds of me is going to post hole. Once your foot gets caught, every predator that watched you is going to come and have dinner. Yeah. Don't do that to yourself. Flatten yourself out and put more, distribute your weight better. Same thing if you're on the river and it starts to break, change. If you're standing up, you've got too much weight in one area, lay down and roll. Get the hell away, tuck and roll. Um, Um, But I ski, I this, it depends on the conditions. Here, it takes absolutely no time. You can think it's beautiful, it's sunny, it's this, and boom, you've got zero, zero. You've got no miles of visibility, nothing. You look like you're in a glass of milk and you don't know north, south, east, or west. I'm Also, I'm in a location where the magnetics and the electronics don't always happily get close to each other and mm-hmm. it can knock out my GPS. So you better know some dead reckoning. You better be able to always know when is it too much? When have I just boned myself? I've bought vehicles now, and I saved my money and, and got myself a Sherp, did a few things for them, and got a reduction in price. It's an incredible vehicle, 72-inch tires at maximum. My biggest goal in life is to be the warden of CAVIC, help the Arctic survive. If this goes down, the rest of the ecosystems are not going to survive.
0: Bad shape. And
1: every single part of it is important. Um, so the vehicle that I have, it has between a half of a PSI, and three PSI maximum at full inflation. So you've got at three PSI, your average vehicle is 28 to 35 PSI per tire. I I am a minuscule amount of that. So you can bend the plants, but you're not killing them. I even, I took my dog's toy I put a ketchup bottle in it and ran it over. My dog was traumatized. He's like, why (laughs) did you do that? Because I'm showing people you you can run it over and you're not going to kill it. He just (laughs) took it back like psycho. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) But so I have different tools. It's like anybody, if you're a housewife in a city or anywhere, pick North Dakota. And you have kids that are into football and then you're going to go do bingo and you go to church on sundays or whatever your bent is in your tool arsenal you're going to have different outfits maybe some accompaniments um, you're, you might drive the lexus to the school board meeting but kids get in a minivan we got four games to watch <laughs> so you have the tools you need to perform the job i have snow machines i had what i used to call little red it was an argo a type of a machine it was so great but they discontinued it, no more parts, it's done. I'm gonna work with one of my grandsons, I'm gonna teach him mechanics so that we're gonna learn how do you take a full block engine and put it in a little tiny machine. Just because you bought it and they designed it doesn't mean you can't change it. Bust out the welder, get the gasoline away from it, now we're gonna make a bigger cage, and we're gonna, but if you change the power coming out, you have to change the transfer of that power. So. I think it's important that boys and girls, and I guess I don't understand the whole binary, non-binary, all of that. Whatever you see yourself as, learn how to cook. Learn how to take care of yourself and others. It's always kind. Be kind to your mind. Your mental health is as important as anything else is. But then learn how to mechanics. Learn how to do plumbing. Learn how to, how are you, if we have mass floods, earthquakes, whatever, or this inhumane treatment that we're all doing to each other. What if our water system goes down? How do you purify it? These are things I think are key to be teaching our youth because you don't know what the future holds. And I'm not somebody that's, oh my gosh, I've got a prep because gee whiz, we might die. No, we're all going to die. Nobody gets out of this gig alive, but yeah. let's do it <laughs> as wisely as we can. And if you don't remember the past, you are going to repeat it. Let's make sure it's something worth repeating.
0: It's amazing, yeah. This idea of living in harmony and also having some sense of self resilience and self reliance is, I think, a skill as you said that could could learn from. And yeah, people, oh,
1: you, you have <laughs> been told, oh, we always you're so nice. We thought you hated people. I said, I never hate. I said, I never said I hated anybody. I don't want to live with y'all. You know, I like I'm gregarious. Um, I have a wide vocabulary, I speak seven languages, but that Look, doesn't mean that my forte
0: is living long term in a big city. Yeah. I have to ask you, tell us about the types of visitors that come out because I'd imagine that Kavik is like really a an amazing resource for scientists for people trying to understand the Arctic it, people come and that, out. That's
1: really where my bent is anybody can come for any reason. It's like a twisted bed and breakfast. It's an old oil <laughs> camp that okay. I turned into sort of a bed and breakfast. Um, the flying is not an insane price right now, which you know I'm working on how do I rectify that so it's available for more people to come out. But the scientific community they need a place to land, uh-huh. and I think there are enough people out there more worried about making a 90% profit or 800% profit margin. If we can get the science out that improves the life and the education, then go for the 10% because it means a lot. Yeah. And that's what I do. If if there's another gentleman and his wife, they come out and they do some science with the fish, and we've had a lot of fish things going on, And but they just don't have the money. And so I said, I tell you what, You come out, I'll drive you around in my vehicle, I'll help get you here and what can you afford, what can't you afford? Okay, you eat with me, I'll deal with that. If you got some funky diet, I need to know about it. (laughs) I don't mind, and people, because I hunt for meat and I have dead animal decorations around, they're like, oh, you probably don't do the vegans or the vegetarians. And I'm like, of course I do. It doesn't matter to me, you know, what people, how they want to eat. I respect everybody's life choice. I can't feed them. I can, if I'm cooking myself caribou steaks and you're here, I may say, hey, do you want to eat with me? I can't charge you. It's a gift. I'm gifting you with, hey, look at this. Look how clean this meat is. Mm -hmm. Look, Look how wonderful this is. Bear meat. The first time that I, after the accident, it took me a while, a long while before I would defend the property here, but I didn't actively go out and seek entanglements, yeah. um, But there was a bear that came through and he took, I had a, this is enough years ago. I had a dog named Ermie here and she was in her dog house and this bear came through. She dove in her dog house. It tore it from the chain at the, I call my building. I live in the Twinkie. It's long and yellow and filled with goodness. <laughs> it's a Twinkie. But it tore her house off the Twinkie and batted her around on the, the pad. And I went out, and it went and scared some of the kids, it charged at him, and I shot at the ground, and here this bear runs off. So there really wasn't any choice. I had to go aggressively. But again, if you're going to take something's life, I have a habit. I put heart rocks. I find these rocks naturally shaped like hearts, and I have, there's a little ceremony thing I do each time. And and I'll even get teary. I'm a hunter, but... Taking a life should be a grave decision. It should be weighed and it should carry. So I will use every single part that I can. Mm -hmm. And do I make rugs? Yes. Do I make jackets? Yes. I, and I gift things. I have a little boy with cancer. I, a lot of people don't know a lot of the money I make from the show, I, I choose to, I was impacted in my life by cancer. With one of my grandchildren and some other people, and I choose to help people with terminal illnesses and whatnot, um, especially children. But this one little boy, he is in remission, but he still has nightmares about what if he has to go back? What if he' have, having nightmares about having to have treatments again? So I sent him a bear rug, and I always do it closed mouthed. I don't. They weren't being jerks when they were alive; they're just being bears. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I, I like closed the mouth. And but I sent it and I asked his parents ahead of time. And so he opened it up. What? Yeah, that's and I, he said, What? It's so big. And I said, And I said, now you've got something you've got to do. This is a protection bear. He says, he doesn't look mean. I said, no, I shot all the mean out of him. I said, what? <laughs> I said, he's a protection bear now. But the way this works, you go to sleep, that's when you're having your nightmares. Right? And he's like, Yeah. And I said, he's gonna go in with you. His spirit is still there. So you have to name him because bears are strong and they are protective. He's going to protect you, but you have to give him a name so you can call him back. And he goes, can I, ca-? he's Bob. And I'm like, yes, he is Bob the bear. Bob. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's great. <laughs> so he has him up on the wall now. But being able to, and I, I bring kids up, other kids, um, they're in remission. We went fishing down in Southeast Alaska. That was their dream. See whales, mm. see eagles fish. And so I'm like, whatever. I know how to get another J-O-B, but what you're giving, like you say, foodie pharmacopoeia, it's food for the soul.
0: It's food for the soul. When you have
1: the food and your soul is good, make the body good, make the mind good. It's a three-part
0: series. Amazing. So I just want to thank you for sharing these experiences, not just with our... I know you, I need to get up there. I just need to, I need to get that $12,000 plane ticket. To get to that. <laughs> and that, that, that'll hold a
1: lot of people. And I try to split it and I try to put people on my airplane. Oh, good. So it's like not supplement. first, you
0: may get a visitor. at some point. <laughs> I'll come up when the plants are in bloom. Cause that's my thing. Is the Oh bottom. yeah. yeah so we can make some medicine together. Oh, that, that would, would be, be wonderful. Great. Yeah. I just want to thank you for sharing your wisdom, sharing your experiences, sharing your very personal story of this very challenging point in your life too, with this bear attack and your resilience is inspiring. And I know that the folks listening are going to really enjoy this. And, but for those that haven't seen your show, can you tell us a little bit about it? It's on Nat Geo, Life Below Zero. Nat Geo, Disney Plus. We are now,
1: I think we're filming season 23 um, Amazing. just starting to, we had two seasons a year and now we're down to one, but, and it follows the lives of a few of us that have chosen remote, off the beaten path, unique lifestyles that come with hardships and it mm-hmm. follows the why it's not scripted. They don't tell me what to do. If they did, I would swear less and kick things less, but <laughs> you get what you get with me. I'm fairly direct. You'll always know where you stand. It won't be a, there's not a lot of mystery involved, other than that's like I tell people, yeah, now that you've met me, they're like, oh, we thought it was like nobody talks like that, and then we met you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, there's not a lot of mystery in why I'm not married.
0: <laughs> I call you a straight shooter. I like that. I like people that are straight up. That's how I that's how I operate too. So <laughs> be great. Well, thanks so much, Sue. I really appreciate well, thank it. Thank you.
1: I really appreciate it. And yeah, we'll get you out here. Yeah, but the best time for plants, I will warn you, is the best time for
0: mosquitoes too. Hey, I'm from South Florida. I can handle. Oh, there you go. Bears, on the other hand, I need some help with. (laughs) You've been listening to Foodie Pharmacology, the science podcast for the food curious available here on our website at foodiepharmacology.com. You can also check out the full video version of this episode and others. I encourage you to do that. You'd see some of Sue's amazing goodies on the video version on our YouTube channel at Teach Ethnobotany. I want to give a big shout out of thanks to our producers, to Rob Cohen and Christine Roth for putting on a great show for you every week. And thanks to you all for tuning in, listening and sharing this and other episodes with your friends and family. Thanks so much for listening. Stay healthy out there and I'll see you next time.